Well, <clears throat> I'm uh, always honored to do this here. Let's start with Genesis chapter 1, and then we'll just go verse by verse through till the end of Revelation 22, okay? <laughs> well, the leader said I had all the time in the world, so. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It is an honor to be here. I, I'm always overwhelmed, and uh, I love this church, I love my pastor. Love my Savior. Love you. Most of the time I'm sitting right where you are, taking it all in. But I thank God for this opportunity tonight that the pastor would trust me to do this. So I'm praying that God will help me because he's the only one that can. Would you stand with me as we read these couple of verses, please? In honor of God's word. <clears throat> And God said in verse 26, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. The title of the message tonight is Made in His Image. I want us to try to take a step beyond salvation tonight. Not that we don't almost every time we come in the door. But I fear so oftentimes that we feel like, wow, I got saved. And it's, it, you never get over it if you got saved. I got saved 50 years ago now. Not even beginning to, to understand it all yet. But I want to say this to you. That's not all there is to this. God said he made you and me and every human being in his image, in his likeness. And when he looks at you and me, that's what he wants to see. He doesn't want to see a cleaned up you. He wants to see him. He wants to see him when he looks at you. Let's pray tonight that God will help us to do that. Father, please help. I need your power, your spirit, your anointing. And Lord, all of us need you. And so, Father, there are some here tonight that, that aren't even in the ballpark because they have not yet received the Lord Jesus as their Savior. And that's where it all begins. I pray tonight that if there would be one or two here that way, that your spirit would speak to their heart and they'd turn to you for salvation tonight and begin this thing we call the Christian life by faith tonight. And then for we that are saved and some of us that have been saved a good while, Lord, help us. Help us to look at this thing maybe a little differently than we ever quite noticed it before. And even if we have, Lord, I pray you'd refresh our thinking and our vision and our desire to be like you. 
I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Yes, sir. I know we have a Bible college here, Sure Word Baptist College. So I'm not going to get real technical tonight, but for those of you who are theologians in school, I will say this as we consider God tonight. That's, that's a huge, broad topic, and I could never begin to touch it in one message, no matter how long that message was. But when we think of God, we think of his natural attributes. God said he made man in his image. What does he expect of you and me being in his image? Well, his natural attributes are these. He is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. When God made man, he didn't make him to be all-knowing. So he's not expecting you and me to be all-knowing. When God made man, he didn't expect him to be omnipotent. That means all-powerful. He is all-powerful. He didn't make us to be God. He made us to be like God, like him. God didn't make us to be omnipresent. Obviously, we're confined to a body. We can only be one place at one time. So no, God doesn't expect me to be omnipresent, omnipotent, or omniscient. He doesn't expect me to be immutable. Immutable means unchanging. I'm afraid that's not going to be. We all change. We all change. But I want to look tonight for a few minutes at his moral attributes by way of introduction. Number one, to be like God, we must be holy. First Peter chapter 1. Would you turn now? I'm going to use a lot of Bible tonight. I know we're used to that because our pastor uses a lot of Bible. Every preacher I've ever heard get behind this desk uses a lot of Bible. That's what we're about, isn't it? The Word of God. Okay, that's, that's what we learn from. So First Peter chapter 1, and if, and if you don't want to, you know, if you get bogged down trying to keep up with me because I'm going to try to keep moving... That's okay, just listen, but I, I want you to hear this, and if you can, to see it. 1 Peter chapter 1, down in uh, verse number 15. Now God made you and me to be in His image, in His likeness. So to do that, He said, verse 15, But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation in your life, in your lifestyle. Be holy in everything. So you can't name an issue that you're not supposed to be holy in. Okay, there, there is no neutral ground. There is no, well, I got the liberty to do. You don't have the liberty to do anything wrong. You don't have the liberty to sin, not if you're going to be like God. We're not talking about just being a good person, okay? We're, we're, not, we're not talking about being religious tonight. We're talking about being like God. Now, God is holy. And he said, I want you, because I made you to be like me, I want you to be holy. Because it says in verse 16, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. If I'm going to be like my creator, i got to work at this thing called being holy. Would you run real quickly with me over to Exodus? Man, we're running back and forth across this thing. Exodus chapter 3, I want you to see something. Exodus chapter 3. <clears throat> Moses has been on the backside of the desert for 40 years, thinking he's out of the will of God. God had a plan for his life. God's time is different than our time. 40 years to God's nothing. 
Okay, nothing. But the time came for God to get Moses' attention because he wanted him to begin the work that he had created him to do. And that was deliver Israel out of the hands of the Egyptians. In chapter 3, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now Moses kept a flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. Put thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Now, question. What is it that made that ground holy? I'll tell you the answer. The presence of God. The presence of God. I find it very interesting that God made you and me out of the dust of the ground. Out of the dust of the ground. In other words, I'm just a piece of walking ground. Just a piece of walking dirt. Okay? And, and so... If God is going to use me, I have to be on holy ground. And the only thing that's going to ever make me holy is His Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Now, let's, let's move on with this thing a little bit. Let's go to Acts chapter 6. So number one, to be like God, we must be holy. Acts chapter 6, God needed some men to be like what we have here in this church. Honest men, full of the Holy Ghost. They could be deacons, men that could be trusted, men who were honest with material things, even money. It says here in Acts chapter 6, down to verse number 1, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multitude, there arose a murmuring of Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason, not right that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word of God. What were they looking for? Some holy men. How did I know they were holy men? Because it said they had to be full of the Holy Ghost. Full of it. Now, he may be in you, but he may not be filling you. Yeah. Ephesians talks about how that, that uh, sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Uh, we can quench the Holy Spirit. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. But when we say no to God's instruction, that quenches his spirit. So we're not letting God operate in us. But he's talking about having seven men who are yielded to the Holy Spirit of God so that God can use them. So to be like God, we must be holy. We must be honest. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Yes, we must be loving. Isn't our God loving? Didn't we just talk about how God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life? Didn't we just say that? Amen. Our God is loving. Now, it's a different kind of love than what some people call love. 
Some people's love is really nothing more than lust. Okay? There's different words, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I know a little bit, just enough to get me in trouble. But uh, the, the, I, I know that the word eros is a word, a biblical word used for love. We get, we get that word erotic, erotic from the word eros. It's romantic love. Quite frankly, it's fickle, isn't it? She loves me, she loves me not. You know? And uh, she loves me today, but she didn't love me tomorrow. That's not the kind of love that's in this, in this chapter. There's phileo. Phileo. We get the word, the word Philadelphia. The city of brotherly love. That's another kind of love, a brotherly love. And then there's agape. What, what, did, he, what did he say about this thing, this bus ministry? What did he say? It was, was, what, we're, what we're supposed to be doing, helping people that can't give back. That's agape love. That's agape love. That's the kind of love that God, God, we got nothing God needs. We have nothing to offer God. A little song says, all he wants is you. Nothing else will do. Not just a part. He wants all of your heart. All he wants is you. Man, it don't cost you a thing, does it? Just give yourself to him. Just give yourself to him wholeheartedly. What a gift that would be to Jesus this, this year. If I would just say, Lord, you can have it all. As long as I'm breathing, I'm yours. First Corinthians 13, 4. I'd like to read the whole chapter, don't have time. Verse 4, charity, love, agape, suffereth long, endures. Boy, I'll tell you what. There's not much of that these days. I don't get off on a rabbit trail. And is kind. Charity envieth not. Vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Look at me. <laughs> See what I did? Yeah. I, I'm afraid I have seen what you did. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. Wow. Reminds me of my marriage vow. For better or for worse. In sickness and in health. In poverty and wealth. To love and to cherish. As long as we both shall live. That's what we're talking about here. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never fails. I not love you. You never did. If you quit loving somebody, you never did love them, really. I'm not here to hurt anybody tonight. Young people, let me tell you something. If you, if you, if you get a crush on somebody and you think you're in love, and all of a sudden they say they think they're... You know, be careful about telling one another you love each other. A lot, a lot of folks, it takes a long time to understand what love really is all about. I, I, I'm being honest with you now. I, I've been where you are. You've never been where I am. Okay? And, I, and I'm, just, I'm just saying this. Be careful about telling people you love them. 
Because if you tell them you love them one minute and then you get mad at them the next minute, you won't talk to them. You really don't love them. Okay? You really don't love them. Charity never faileth. That leaves out all the options, doesn't it? <laughs> that leaves out all the excuses. But, 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 but nothing. It never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. We got the perfect word of God, by the way. We don't need anybody adding to it, and they better not take anything away from it. To be like God, to have some of his moral attributes, we must be holy. We must be honest. We must be loving. And then we must be humble. Please turn to Philippians chapter 2. I'm so tempted to quote this, but I want to say this. I want you to see this with your eyes. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. I want to look at verse 5. And I'm going to read this slowly because a lot of us have already committed this to memory. So please get it out of your head. Get it in your eyeballs. And then slow it down in your brain because I want you to chew on this a little bit. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God. Now here is Jesus who is God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He wasn't stealing anything from God's glory to claim himself to be God. Because he is God just as much as the Father is God. Just as much as the Son is God. So he wasn't robbing God of his glory. That's what that's talking about. But made himself of no reputation. Here's God. And he makes himself when he comes to earth of no reputation. You know what we spend our time doing? Trying to convince people how wonderful we really are. I've been a director of the mission for over 36 years now. And I've had, I've had a lot of resumes come across my desk. You know, I think it's in James where the Bible says, you know, it's a sad day when all you get is a lot of wind and clouds, but you don't get any rain. You know, you're sitting there in a famine. You're sitting there. You're begging God for rain. And, and you, you feel some cool air coming. And all of a sudden you say, man, I, I feel something's changing in the wind. And you see some clouds. You say, man, praise the Lord. Here comes that rain. And all of a sudden those clouds go by. and You don't get a drop. Man, it's like some resumes I read. <laughs> you hire them. And you say, what did I get? That isn't what you said you were. Jesus did just the opposite. He who is God. So many people want to be God. So many people act like they're God. God's gift to you name it. He who is God made himself of no reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant. Now he's a transformer. Because he, he was in the form of God. And he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he took upon him the form. So now he's getting another form. So God is in the spirit. God, the Bible says God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit. So God, Jesus was in the form of God. He was in spirit. And then he changed form and came down to earth as a man. We call that Christmas when he came in incarnated as a baby. But he didn't just come as a man. 
The form he took upon himself is the form of a servant. Preached a message one night here on being a servant. Yeah, that's not the most popular thing to talk about. But Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant. You say, how do you know if you're a servant? You'll know if you're a servant by the way you respond when somebody treats you like one. Do you get it? Somebody treats you like a servant. You say, well, well I, 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 you should pay me more than that. Uh-huh. What, 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 did, what did Jesus say? Didn't he, didn't he tell them not to complain about their wages? Huh? Didn't he say something about that? Yeah, I thought I read something about that. Yeah. No reputation took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. The theologians, guys, call that the kenosis. He emptied himself. Just as if I took that water and poured it out, he emptied himself of his glory. His glory. He didn't empty himself of his deity. He emptied himself of his glory. And everybody's going around trying to glorify themselves. <clears throat> Can I park here just for a minute or two? Thanks. Proverbs 27, 2 says, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. We're so busy promoting ourselves, I don't know how in the world God's ever going to get glory out of most of us. We're so busy trying to impress everybody with how wonderful we are, what we've done. Now, I'm going to get a whole bunch of you, man. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to probably more than divide the crowd right now but I really don't much care because I always preach as if it's my last time. So it might as well be, amen? I get a little hung up with some of this social media junk I see, okay? I'm sorry. I get a little hung up with it. We got to take a selfie of every time we blow our nose anymore. Good night. I don't, I don't care what you had for dinner or where you ate it. What is all this about? Whatever happened to a private life? Good night. I, man, man I, y'all put stuff on. Man, we didn't even talk about some of that stuff in the boys' locker room, let alone the Marine Corps locker room. Yeah, I remember that. What, what is this thing that we've got to tell everybody everything we do? I don't really much care what you do. And, and if what I do worries you, get over it. Because all I'm trying to do is please God. And if that doesn't please you, I'm okay with it. Because I'm not going to stand before you one day. I'm going to stand before him one day. And I'm going to want to hear a well done from him, whether you like it or not. And I'm not trying to be mean and arrogant tonight. I'm being honest. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 2a. I'm being very specific, aren't I? This know also that in the last days, perilous times. Now, what, what are some of the indicators of perilous times? You'd say, man, drunkenness and drug addict and fornication and adultery and all that. Well, wait a minute. No, that's not, the, that's not on the top of the list. Here's the top of the list. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Aren't I something? Huh? Come on. Lovers of their own selves. Covetous. Gimme, 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 gimme. Yeah. Boasters. I don't even have to illustrate that, do I? Proud. See the difference between proud and a boaster? A boaster broadcast, broadcasts his pride. A guy can be pride and be quiet about it. He can be full of pride. But a boaster, he can't keep it to himself, okay? And you know what? People like that, God says, make things perilous. 
make things perilous. Now, I know what the rest of the chapter says. I do know that. I have read it a time or two, believe it or not. But I do know what's on the very top of the list. And that's what's there. Introduction's over. Point one of the message. Ready? The image of God, the image of God, which you were made to be, was distorted by sin. All the way back to Genesis again, chapter 3. You were made to be in the image of God. God, God. Matter of fact, God made you in His image. But sin distorted that. Sin distorted that. <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. There's the doubt. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree of the garden, uh, which is in the, gar the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. That's an exaggeration. You all know that. Verse 4, <clears throat> And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Now you mark that down in your, in your sanctified brain here in a minute because we're going to prove that point in a minute. Verse 5, For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, ye shall, then your eyes shall be open, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So the first thing is, the devil tempts her with the possibility of her being her own God, small g. You won't need God calling the shots anymore in your life. You won't need God saying you can't do. See, all he, there was only one thing that God said they couldn't do. And the devil, the, the devil magnified that. The, the, the devil pointed that out. See, see God, God doesn't love you. If he, if he loved you, he'd let you do anything you want. He'd let you have any of this stuff. But no, 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 no. God doesn't really love you. You say he doesn't say all that. He didn't have to say it. He implied it. It was right there. And she bought it. And she bought it. So the devil said... Ye shall be as gods. Now, in John 8, 44, I'll just say this. Jesus told a bunch of Jewish hypocrites, Ye are of your father, the devil. And he said, For he is a liar and the father of lies. By the way, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So you have one who is a liar, the father of liars, and you have one who is the absolute epitome of truth. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Not, not, much, not much to figure out, is it? I mean, it, you don't have to be a rocket science or a brain, a brain surgeon to figure that one out. But somehow they didn't get it. Somehow they didn't get it. Secondly, Genesis 3.16. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband. He shall rule over thee. And unto, the, unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. So the curse came with the sin. The curse came. We're under the curse, and that's why we're in such misery much of the time. Thorns and thistles also uh, shall it bring forth to thee, Thou shalt eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, 
For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Like I say, we're just a big pile, a vertical pile of dirt, okay? <laughs> That's all we are. Throwing a little water. I don't, I don't know what the percentage is of water. I, I, I heard it one time when I was in school. I don't, don't remember it. But we're just water and mud, a few, few minerals mixed in there, and the breath of life that God gave us. He's the one that gave us the life. And he's the one that's going to take it. He said, now you've sinned. I told you that when you sin, you're going to die. Thanatos, the word death, students. Thanatos. It means separation. Separation. When you die, your soul and spirit is separated from your body. I mean, I've been at the, I've been at the bedside of many, dead, many dying people. And I remember reading in lectures to my students when I was in school. And old Charles Spurgeon had that book. He wrote lectures to my student. And he said, young men, he said, get as close to death as often as you can and, and observe. He said, you will learn things at the very point of death. And people's, I, man, I, I could stand here for a while and tell you some things I've learned. <clears throat> You're going to die, Adam. Well, he didn't die that, well, he did die that day spiritually, didn't he? Death is separation. Sin separates us from God. So there it is. But we're going to see he died the rest of the way too in a minute. So ye shall be as gods, the devil said. Ye shall be cursed, God said. Ye shall be cast out, God said. Genesis 3, 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand, take hold of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. What did he do? He sent him forth from heaven on earth, the Garden of Eden. That's what it was. It was heaven on earth till sin came. So he drove out. The, notice the terminology. I, I, wonder if, I wonder if Adam was dragging his feet. Huh? I wonder if... I wonder if while he was heading out, out of the garden, he looked back and saw what he just lost. Huh? Do you see what sin did to you? See what it did to you? Hey, listen to me. Listen to me. It won't take you long. You fool around and think you're going to get away with it. And all of a sudden, you're going to look back and say, look what I lost. And you know what? He never, he never did go back into that garden. Not one day. Not, not one foot did he step in there. Because the Bible says, as Pastor mentioned this morning... He placed at the east end of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life so they didn't eat and live forever in sin. <clears throat> ye shall be as gods, ye shall be cursed, ye shall be cast out. Genesis 5, 5. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. So who's a liar? Just proves it again, doesn't it? The devil's a liar. Man, I wish we could get, man, we could walk out of here with that really firmly implanted in our heart and soul and mind. It might keep us from some things. Every, every time the devil says, nobody's going to know. Hmm? Nobody's going to know. You know how to delete that stuff. Uh-oh. You're tech savvy. You know how, you know how to hide it. Uh-huh. All things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Hebrews 12, 13. Thank you very much. Yeah, all things. All things. All things. Ye shall be cast out. Ye shall die. 
Hebrews 9.27, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. After this the judgment. Well, the image was distorted by sin. Secondly, the image was duplicated by the Savior. Let me give it to you. John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 14. And the Word that was with God and was God became flesh. Became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. Can you imagine they got to do that? So, God's image has been duplicated without flaw. Without flaw. It's the only way it could have been done. You know what? The Bible says that God made man in His image. And the Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery equal with God, took upon Him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. So God made man, and then God made Jesus a man. Amen? It's right there. And that Jesus, that God-man, was the perfect image that God had in mind all along. He was the one that he, he, he was what he, what he had in mind all along. He said, they didn't get it the first time. Maybe if you go down there and show them what I'm talking about. <laughs> If you just go on down there and live this life we're talking about. And then give it up on the cross so that they can get that life back that they've lost. God became flesh. 2 Corinthians 4. Would you turn there quickly? All right. 2 Corinthians 4. Satan has always been the enemy of the gospel. He hates the gospel. He hates People telling other people that Jesus died for them so they could be forgiven and go to heaven. He hates that because he doesn't want man and God to have fellowship. That's why he distorted things in the Garden of Eden in the first place. To split up the fellowship between God and man. And we're talking about being in the image of God. How does that work? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 3. If our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, small g, talking about the devil, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. There's some of you out here tonight, there may be somebody in here tonight, I don't, I don't know. There may be somebody here tonight that you, you're sitting in here and you're listening to all this, and somehow or another you got in here. I don't know if somebody invited you or how it happened. But if you're not saved tonight, your, your mind is blinded. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray to God will open your eyes tonight to receive the gospel if you're not saved. I mean that. It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Now here it is. Who is the image of God? See it? You see it? Jesus is the image of God. God made man is in, in his image. Sin distorted that. Then God sent Jesus. And he is 
it says, the image of God. Thus the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, God, God wants you and me to let that light be seen. Okay? For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, verse 6, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I'm going to hurry on for time here. Number three, the image was demonstrated by the Spirit. Romans, uh, Romans chapter 8, Romans 8, I heard somebody quote this today. I know that uh, Pastor Berner was getting into my message. I told my wife, he was preaching in Sunday school, and I said to her, do you see what he's doing? He's talking about the image of God you heard yourself. You remember that, you scoundrel. You got into my notes, somehow you got into it. I have to keep my eye on these guys up here on the platform, especially when I'm getting ready to preach one night. Romans chapter 8. All that did to me was confirm what God had, had in mind for tonight. That's all it did. It just confirmed it. That's all. He was just saying the same thing I'm saying. Romans 8, 28, you know it. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow. He also to, did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now, God made us in his image. We blew it because we bought the lie of the devil and sin separated our fellowship with God. The only way we could be reinstated with God was for God to send His Son to live that perfect life that He wanted Adam and Eve to live forever. He, he never intended that. That's why you and me, we, hey, we can live to be 100 years and death will still be your enemy. Death will still be your enemy. I'll never forget, I, I had the privilege several times to be in a preacher's meeting with Dr. Lee Robertson uh, from Highland Park Baptist Church, Tennessee Temple University. And he was a godly man, and I respected him and still do. But I remember him, we were sitting around the table eating after he preached one day. And he said, young men, he said, I want nothing to do with the grave. He said, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, and I'm looking forward to being there. But he said, I want nothing to do with the grave. And he preached into his 90s, going from church to church as an evangelist, in his 90s. But he preached to the end. But he didn't want the grave. None, none, of, none of us want the grave. The grave is our enemy. But that enemy has been defeated. Amen. That enemy has been defeated. 1 Corinthians 15, I, man, we get in there and wait in for a while, okay? We have def God has defeated that, that enemy through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's defeated. The, the sting of death has been extracted by the blood of Christ. That's how that happened. To be conformed to his image. He doesn't just want us to be good. He wants us to be godly like him. Ephesians 1.13. Let's go over there. I, that's another one a lot of us have quoted and memorized. But sometimes it's good just to look one more time. Would you do that with me? I appreciate your patience. I know I'm using a lot of scripture and, and a little time, but I think it'll help. 
Ephesians 1.30, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, in whom also after that you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So when you get saved, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also after that you believe, it's one thing to hear, it's another thing to believe it, then you are filled, sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So now he lives within you. Now you're starting to get that holy ground thing. That vertical dirt that you are nothing more, that's all you are. Because when you die, you're, you're not going to be vertical anymore. You're going to be horizontal, okay? You're going to be laying there like that. And, 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 uh, and you're going to deteriorate. And you're going to back, go back to your, your original elements. But the Bible says here that God has given you his Holy Spirit to enable you to be conformed. Remember uh, Romans 8, 29. God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ. How does that happen? It happens by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, almost done, but that's a relative term. 2 Corinthians 3, 3, 17. Now the Lord is that Spirit, okay? He is the Holy Spirit. The Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass... The glory of the Lord. Listen, listen, class. Are changed into the same image. The same image. How? From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You can be a representative of the image of God. You can be. You can not carnal Christians can't. Okay? Carnal Christians need to get right with God, okay? But if you're walking with God and you're, you're all of a sudden as the heart panteth after the running water, so thirsteth my soul after thee, O God, the heart is a deer. He's been run down, run all around the woods on opening day of gun season. I've seen it a many a time sitting up in a tree 20 feet up. Watch him run from woodlot to from woodlot in and out of a, in, in and out of a field. A bang, bang. They got one over there. Bang, bang. They're, they're shooting them everywhere, but then I'm running them run by me. I don't see none of them. And all of a sudden, I see this big old doe come by like this. And she's got two little ones behind her. And she's been run from one woodlot. It's, it's now around 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. And uh, she's been running hard all day. I'm going to tell you what she's looking for. She's looking for that stream looking for that stream so she can get, get down and, and get, get a hold of that stream and get some water and lay down just for about five minutes, get a break from all this that's going on. Get, get, did, would you imagine thirsting after the, the very fellowship of God that he offers you as the deer thirst after the running water, so thirsteth my soul after thee, O God. Not, not anything else, none of the entrapments, just God. All I want is God, my soul. To fall in love with him. I'm talking about loving him. My wife's grandfather is the one who first introduced me to the Baltimore Rescue Mission. And he, he was in his mid-80s then. And uh, moved into town, took a little church outside of Westminster. He said, Pastor Chuck, he called me Pastor Chuck. He said, Pastor Chuck, would you come down and preach for me at the mission? My night's the third Monday night. I said, sure. 
went down there and had a time with him. And every time I'd go down there, every month, I'd see him. He's a little, a little man, a backyard mechanic, but he could, he could tear an engine block apart in his 80s, okay, by himself. And he had hands like a vice grip. And he'd, he'd see me, and he'd grab my hand, and he'd say, Brother, do you love him? One, brother, how's the church? How's the family? Lousy weather we're having. You know, country's going to the devil. Do you love him? Amen. Talk about conviction. Yeah. Right to my soul. He, yeah. he would bring conviction to my soul. I'd go home and search my heart and I'd say, do you love him? Chuck Bittner. Yeah. Do you really, really love him? That's what I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about loving him enough to let him control you. Absolute control. Absolute. It was demonstrated by the Spirit. Second Corinthians, we're there. Six. Go over page. 19. Wait a minute, I'm in the wrong thing here. First Corinthians, I'm sorry. First Corinthians six nineteen. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. If you you know, we get a hold of that. Right there. You are not your own. You think you are. Not if you're not if you belong to Jesus. You can't you can't belong to him and belong to you too. Does that make sense? Ye are not your own. Get over it. Die to it. Die to it. Why? For you're bought with a price. Pretty pretty expensive piece of property you are. Pretty expensive piece of dirt. Cost cost a lot for that, that little piece of real estate that makes up your being. And I hope this makes sense to you tonight. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If you're saved, you're God's. You're not your own. How about giving yourself to him? I mean all of it. I... Galatians 5.22 says this. Here's how you know. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meek, meekness, temperance, that's self-control, discipline. You've got to have all nine for Jesus to be seen in you. If any one of those virtues are lacking in your life, the devil will point them out to other people and say, that's a Christian? You can, you can be the most spiritual guy in the world and not have joy and just be a grump. Just be a grump. Nobody wants to be around a grump. You know, remember old Pigpen and Charlie Brown? He walked around with that little cloud of dirt over his head. Everywhere he went, he had that little cloud. You know, he's just a grump. <laughs> Nobody wants to be around that. Self-control, temperance. You lack any of it. People won't see Jesus in you. People, do you want people to see Jesus in you? That's what I'm asking you tonight. Do you want them to see him in you? 
Well, Romans 12, 1 says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. Your body says, anyway, why don't you just give it to him? Don't worry, I'm not going out too far. I'm so crippled, I'll fall off. <laughs> present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. There's that transformation thing. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You cannot be conformed to the world and be conformed to the image of Christ at the same time, friends. Get over trying to be with it in the world if you really care about Jesus. Now, if, you, if you're really more interested in fitting in with the world and not looking weird and not people thinking that you're some kind of religious nut or whatever it is, then forget this message. It's not for you. But really, it is for you. Really, it is. Because if you want to be conformed to the image of Christ, you have to do it on purpose. And here's how you do it. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And I life I, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I, I, I'm willing to die every day. Paul said it, I die daily. I die daily. How about you tonight? How about you tonight? You say, you don't know how many times I've come up to this hall. I'm not, I'm not asking you to do anything that God doesn't want you to do, okay? I'm not here. I'm not here for that. I'm more interested in you having an altar call every day of your life. Are you listening? Every morning that you get up, every morning that you get up, you have an altar call. And you say, God, here I am. All over again. I have sins that so easily beset me. God, I'm asking you, please help me in that struggle. God, I want to serve you, but I don't have the boldness to hand somebody a track or put a, put a flyer in a door. God, help me to be what I'm not. The Spirit of God will give you the boldness to do that. Would you stand with me tonight? Would you stand with me tonight? Brother Adriel, will you help me? Would you come? Would you just love him tonight with all your heart?